With my Uncle Mel, my dad's blood brother, Uncle Mel, who I'm still dear friends with. Pops has passed, but me and Uncle Mel, Uncle Mel and I are still buddies. He wouldn't let us call. I was always mesmerized by the vocalizations of a Canada goose. But I wasn't allowed to call. And I even went as far as going to the store and buying a big river, big river flute call. And learning how to do it, it was Mick Lacey that designed that big river. Yep. And I wanted to be the best Canada goose caller, but nobody would let me call. So here we are, I'm 27 years old, I go on this duck hunt, and I see this guy named Jim Ray, these gray ducks in the south, and out here in the west, we call them gadwalls, they go over our heads, and he goes, and they spun, and I was, that was it, that's all to, I was, I was like, holy smokes, and I had been hunting mule deer, antelope, bighorn sheep, Rocky Mountain elk, chucker partridge, sage hen, all the western stuff. I haven't hunted one of those since that day. Maybe a little bit. That might be a kind of an exaggeration. But I, I was like, you could, I tell people this all the time, and I'm not going to tell who, anybody who my guest is yet. But I could look to the right and see a 200-inch mule deer, look in front of me and see a 400-inch elk, and look over here and see two greenhead mallards pitching into a pond, and I'm going left every time. There's nothing about that mule deer or that elk. That, now, that elk bugle, that bugle of a, bull, of, of a Rocky Mountain bull elk, yep. it'll get me fired up. Like the howl of a coyote yep. or the gobble of a turkey, whether it's the four subspecies in America or the two in Mexico, I get pretty excited when I hear a turkey gobble. But when I see mallard ducks do what they did today for us, it did it for me. So that's kind of like the beginning roots as I start calling. And when you start calling out west, Reno, Nevada, you got to find some mentors. You got to find some heroes. You got to find somebody that you're going to follow along with, kind of like a songwriter. You start writing songs in California, like my good buddy John Party did. You got to find some heroes from Texas or from Tennessee. Who did he find? He found Waylon, Guy Clark, Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash. He found the Don mm-hmm. Williams. He found the the, the best, right? Yep. Hank Williams Sr. Well, I found at one time Phil Robertson, yep. Tim Grounds. Yep. And Buck Garner. And that's who our freaking guest is on the podcast tonight. Straight out of Hagerman Wings Farm, John Shaw's Hagerman Wings Farm, Idaho. We're in Idaho, and my guest tonight lives in Tennessee. He's from Tennessee. He's hunts in Arkansas. He's hunted all over the world. But I remember watching this man, Buck Garner, hunting in Idaho in these foothills of the Snake River Gorge. Wow. 15, 20 years ago. Yep. Buck Gardner, welcome, my friend. Well, thank you. I'm extremely happy to be here. Now, Buck, I got to ask you this first off. Everybody thinks Buck Gardner, they think duck calling. But I got to ask you, and I showed you, hey, Alex, do me a favor. Will you grab them dry rubs over there on top of that provider box? I got, I got three oh. Buck Gardner dry rubs. I got to figure out, okay, so I had mentioned Phil Robertson. We all, yep. He's our buddy. He's our yep. mutual friend. Yep. So you got the duck commander, and they were always known for two things. Well, besides the man upstairs, they were known for ducks yep. and cooking. That's right. So, so I'm, I have these at my house, and we're at John's here in Idaho, and I'm looking at them right now, but you got the garlic parmesan, the Jamaican jerk, and <laughs> I love this one, the Smoky Mountain. Um, 
you come, you live close to the Smoky Mountains. Yeah. But where was the fascination with this part of your life? I got to start out with cooking because we just ate last night. You and I ate duck together. Yep. And tonight we had chicken and beef. Yep. But where was the fascination with the food? Well, I came out here to see John. We went to her restaurant. Vicky uh, had a restaurant here in Hagelman. When John, this place wasn't even here really, just the, the old shop. And you know, she said, John said, she'll cook duck where you like it. I said, can't, not out here. And we went down there and she had duck fixed five ways. They were all delicious. I said, I gotta find out about this. And so I met Vicky and we got started. And it was just kind of like, we're gonna make this stuff because people won't believe how good it makes duck paste. And that's what it says, I can't believe it's duck. We had a cookbook that she made and things just kind of, I mean, it took off like a rocket, but we just couldn't, couldn't keep it going. We were having a hard time managing different facets of the duck call business and we had some internal problems. But anyway, it kind of got left in the dust. But I've got maybe 10 or 15 bottles of each one at home still that I very sparingly use. And uh, even though they look like they're frozen up, they're still fantastic. And it makes duck, I think, taste delicious. Now, prior to coming out here, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mr. Buck, but Vicky's nickname was the Duck Lady? Yep. Um, she had worked with the Duck Commander guys at yeah, one time. She had. She bet, certainly had. She's cooked, for, she's cooked for me in this building where we sit right now yep. several times. Um, prior to coming out here and tasting her duck, were you a duck fan, eating it back, you know, growing up and hunting in your early years? Yeah, but I was having to do so many different things to it to make it where people besides me would eat it. Most people, I, well, I told people, is most people overcook duck. Yeah. They burn it up, you know, they dry it out. And I told them, you know, we always sauteed my duck in a pan, cutting it off the breast, you know, and then slicing the breast meat up and seasoning it with anything that I like from, you know, Italian dressing to teriyaki sauce to, you know, steak sauce, you know, anything. But this just made everything taste fantastic. So you, you get with her, you help her design these dry rubs at the same time. You're in the midst of one of the most legendary duck calling careers. And I say that because of here's why. <laughs> I was taught, I was with my friend, George Brett, who's a Hall of Fame baseball player from the yep. Kansas City Royals, who's become a dear friend of mine because of a mallard duck. It's wow. crazy what has happened because of a mallard duck. Isn't it, though? It's unreal, and your life has been the same. But George was in my hometown a couple, like five days ago giving a speech. And I am a huge baseball fan. And I had oh, just yeah. I learned that night that there's only like less than, a little under 300 people in the Hall of Fame. That's the right. Baseball Hall of Fame, 300. Okay, well, there's less than that that has won the world championship of duck calling in Stuttgart, Arkansas on Main Street. Yep. You're one of them in 1995. 94. And then you won the champion of champions in 1995. That's right. Talk to me about, you say this all the time to me. You've said it four or five times in the last few years. You say... 
well, I went 14 times and they only gave me one trophy. Yeah. You've, you've even been quoted as saying stuff like, well, I thought I won them all, but I only got a trophy one time. Yeah. It's You're a very clever, witty gentleman. But here's the deal. I've been in there three times in that bus. At one time, it was an actual bus. Yep. Now it's different. You, When you were calling, it was a bus. Well, when I first started, it was for most of it. And then they moved us down to the other end of the street when they built the outside auditorium. The outside and, auditorium, yeah. And we had the mobile unit, I guess. Was, you know, whatever I still called it, the bus. The bus. Everybody still does. Now, you go in there and you pick your number. You pick your, your, your pill. You sit down. Yep. And you wait. There's a representative from almost every 50 state. Plus, you got the regional winners. Yep. Plus, you have the automatic qualifier from the year before. Is that yep. true? Okay. Yes. So pretty. you got you got up to upwards of 70 guys sitting here that are all legit. Now I don't know if we're all legit because Nevada, Alaska, there's probably some discrepancies here that we're not all legit. Because when I represented Nevada. I was not legit. Let's not let's well, not let, let's not sugarcoat. Now today I can I feel like I'm a lot better than I was you back then. Have, you know, <laughs> today you were awesome. You said, thank you, and I want to talk about that in a minute. But talk to me about your nervosa. If you go that many times and you lose that many times, do you still get nervous when you're up there? And you have been quoted to me of saying that the year you won in '94. You blew a perfect round One and time. two very good rounds. I did. Was the nerve still there? Were you still nervous? I, I'm nervous when they asked me back to judge. I mean, <laughs> I never got over the nerves. I mean, I was able to complete it, but the way I, I mean, I just practiced so much the same thing, doing it over and over, that I would tell people, when you can get to where somebody could walk up and pinch you or bite you or kick you and you would never stop, then you're getting close. But the nerves were always there. I've watched, I mean, I had a seven-point lead one time and squawked on my clothes out. You know, I mean, just crazy stuff. You know, I, I was leading the contest one did, year. But you didn't know you were leading by seven, did you? No, I didn't know it at the time, but... I, you felt good about yeah, it. Yeah, I had a guy one time say, how do you always know whether you're going to be in the next round? I think, you know, something's up here. How You know, nobody else knows, but if you're not going to be in the next round, you get up and go to the back. Why wouldn't you? Well, I mean, but they haven't called the numbers yet for who's going to come back. You just And I said, hey, man, I know when I'm not going to bowl again. He said, how do you know it? I said, my wife and my three children come by carrying the folding chairs, going to the truck. I ain't going to be in the next round, man. So the body language of your family told you it's yeah. over. Well, if I see them go by the side of the bus or down behind the mobile unit there, going out before we parked the truck, then I'm not going to be in the next round. But I, I had an experience there, Buck. Um, I, this is a funny story. I competed in the Nevada State Championships. John David Stanley, who you know. Yes, very well. Insane talent. He he blows the light. When anybody listening out there, you get 90 seconds in this style. If you blow a a minuscule of a second past that light, you're automatically disqualified. Well, that's the only way that I could win. So he does it. I get the victory. I'm going to Stuttgart, Arkansas to represent the state of Nevada. Yep. First round. Not that this would have probably ever mattered, but I'm on deck, 
and John Stevens is calling. <laughs> and if anybody understands judging, if you go up against, if you follow somebody like John Stevens, three-time world champion, has he won the champion of champions? Yes, he has. Three-time world champion, champion of champions, and current owner of Rich and Tone Duck Halls, mm-hmm. and a very clever, very smart human being, in my opinion. Yes. Don't talk too much anymore, but I do miss John. I love Jimbo as well. I love everybody there. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm like, what am I going to do? I can't even walk out on that stage now after. Because I, I know. I can't follow that. So if he scores, if he gets you know, four of the five judges to give him, if it was the first round, which it was because yep. I got cut, it, you know, it's a 70 to 80 round and he's getting a 79. They're going to give me an automatic 70. I'm not going to sound anywhere close to what he's doing. So I was like, I'm just going to go out there and have fun. And I looked at Dave Stanley, John David's dad, after, and he goes, you blew the round of your life. Because I went out there and said, I'm just going to let it go. Yeah. And I just hit it. I, mah, mah. And, and, and the, the, the competition calling, what I want to get into, Duck, is that, or, or Buck, I'm sorry, Duck, Duck Buck, but a competition duck caller can be a good duck hunter a lot of people have always heard that well ducks don't do that well maybe not no but it's the control talk to me a little bit about what you were when you were competing what would you tell me if i was asking you this late in your career now it's been over 20 years since you won what were you known for were you control were you loud were you powerful did your feed chatter do this what were you known for in your opinion i was known completely for call control Call control. Call control. Mike McElmore told me when I first started, he said, you might want to be the loudest, you might want to be the longest hail call or the most notes. Or, he said, but none of that matters. Call control. First of all. And everybody that I've ever talked to that did it for a while, they were all about call control. Now, I tried to be loud. I tried, and I had unique things that I did that I dared people to try to do, you know. But I was about, if I always told them, if they like me in the first round and I'm in the lead, you're in trouble because they're going to they're gonna get the same thing note for note two more times, you know. And that's what I did. I mean, my, my notes were the same length. They were spaced the same way. My feed call was the same thing. I, you know, so if they liked me, they wouldn't hard to pick me out again. Now, Buck, i got to ask you this because people are going to wonder, like, what's wrong with Buck's voice? Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with you. But here's the deal. Life happens. Oh, yeah. Now, we're talking about duck calling. The tongue is a very, very important component to a successful duck calling career. The most. You work with your diaphragm, your lungs, your larynx. People ask, well, what's a larynx? That's the muscle in your throat that you steam up your sunglasses or steam up your mom's window on a cold day to write your name in it. I used to love doing that. You write backwards the car next to you. (laughs) But the tongue. In a nutshell... Why do you sound the way that you sound right now? And how detrimental has this been to your duck calling career? Because if you were in the position right now physically with the way your tongue is now, you're not winning the 94 champ- cha- championship or the 95 champion championships. Tell, tell, please tell my audience what's going on with your voice right now. Well, three and a half years ago, I went to my dentist for my normal checkup. And I was always proud of my teeth. You know, I'm taking good care of them. And 
I said, there's something on the bottom of my take a look. He said, I don't know what it is, but it doesn't look good. So I have a friend who was an oral surgeon. He looked at it, just pulled my tongue out, looked at it, and said, you've got cancer. And I went, what? Come on, man, don't joke. You know, he goes, I'm not joking, it's bad. He said, we're going to have to take that out soon, as in maybe tomorrow. <laughs> so they took it out, and they, I wasn't going to get treated for probably five or six weeks. About a week and a half later, he says, I was okay. I had still most of my tongue, probably two, three-quarters of the tongue. He said, we didn't get a big enough margin on the cancer. We're going to have to do it again. So they took it out then, and he told my wife I would probably never talk. You know, but, and she, he also told her, I know he's plays a wooden, you know, blows a duck call. He's not going to be able to do that. So it's taken three and a half years to get back before I make a duck call. Blow, you know, but I can't feed call even now. I mean, it's a single, you know, and I've got to go so far back in my throat, I can't do it. But it's a challenge. I will do it before I'm What done. kind of cancer was it? It's a, it's a primary oral carcinoma is what it was called. Hereditary? Or is this no, just... No, it's just because I was stupid from the time I was about 17. Don't tell me it was because you chewed tobacco. No, it's tell me because I smoked. You were smoking cigarettes and you I got I smoked cigarettes. And in fact, I quit the first year I started blowing duck calls. You know, but I never dreamed that I was going to have oral cancer. And then they were going to operate on me twice. Then they told me, after everything was over with, they said, and we can't stop it. it it's going to kill you in the next three to six months. And I said, my wife said, we're taking you to MD Anderson in Houston, where I had taken her. And we got down there, and the lady doctor told me and my wife said, we can handle this, and they have. I, the last time I was there was almost a year ago now. It's time to go back. And they said, your cancer's gone. It doesn't appear to be anywhere in your whole body. And just live your life, you know. And that was a year ago, and my wife was battling cancer at the time and had done very well. But uh, she succumbed to her cancer in September 21st, this past year, 2021. And, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know what God's plan is. I don't pretend to know. I just know that I had thought I would die before she would, but obviously I was wrong. When you start thinking about death, Buck, Yep. And you're sitting in that duck blind with us today, which was an honor. Thank you. For me, too. All of us. Um, how special is it to know that your wife's upstairs looking down? Yep. <clears throat> how special is it to know, and I want to get into this, with your friendship with a man named John Shaw, which yep. I want you to talk about. But how special is it to know that you could look to the sky and see your wife and feel her heartbeat, see that mallard duck cupped up, Know that your good friend John Shaw is back in the lodge waiting for you to come in and say hello. Yep. Knowing 
that you get to wake up tomorrow and do it again because your boots and your feet are still on this side of the dirt, which we're all thankful for. Yep. Because your doctor said you got three to six months. Yep. What, do you, what goes through your mind when you see ducks doing what they do, when you know your wife's in heaven, John Shaw's waiting for you, I'm the mallards are doing how – do, how does it affect your soul? I'm not going to give you the answer you think I am. Okay, no, I want to hear it. I still want to kill them just as bad as I ever did. <laughs> but what I enjoyed today was watching you and listening to you. And what was the other guy's name that was born in the My brother Clay. Clay. Y'all born calls together. Reminded me of like me and Rick Dunn 20 years ago or whoever. But, man, you've improved. <laughs> You're incredible. You're awesome. You have a great feed call. You've got great you know, call control tone, you know, and you're not afraid, you know what I mean? Because so many people hunt and they broad butt call and they just because we don't want to scare them away. And I told John, you you can't do that with bucks like this. They're not called shy, they're called shy of crappy calling. You know, yeah, yeah. and today y'all sounded awesome. And you called ducks right into the decoys. We had them landing on the water. And that's what I used to really, you know, and that's what I aspire to again. You know, it's to get back to call them like that. But it was fun for me listening to y'all call and stay after them hard. Like, you know, I, I was telling you, him, him. I know, I was listening to every word you said. Yeah, I love that. But it was fun because so many people... Even so many good callers, I call it just chickening out. They won't go ahead and blow out. Because if you were going to scare some bucks, we did today. But we wouldn't have killed any. Without calling. Without aggressive calling. Aggressive calling. You know, and that's what it takes. You know, but do, you, do you think about, when you're in that instance where you're watching the ducks be ducks, because we finally got sunshine today. Oh, yeah, and we saw what happened. It's amazing, right? Like you've hunted, you've hunted mallard ducks your whole All life. My whole life, sunshine if and it, wind. If it's cloudy, I'll just soon go back to bed. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> you know, Thank you for saying I that. I mean, because even if you're hunting in the field, or on a river, or on a stream, you know, in the woods, sunny days. Is what it's all about. How spiritual is it to you, though, Buck? Oh, it's the, the, the essence of the mallard duck in that oh, those orange feet and that reaction to your vocabulary your 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 and they you stand on it and they you turn, stand. what oh, what man. what does it do to your soul well i mean just it's your spirit talk it, to me it, about your spirit it, breaks, it makes me well it makes me realize how important doing something the right way plays a part in things because you know, you've traveled everywhere, and we've talked about it today. How many people, even out here, you know, people say, don't call them. Don't, you know, you're going to scare them. You know, I might scare them, but I still will, even when I was at my best. But the feeling you get when you talk to an animal is, is spiritual. I mean, it's, it's like, you know why God put you here? To be in control, have dominion over all the animals of the earth, the fish, the four-legged animals, the things that crawl, the things that fly. I mean, it puts into, I mean, it's humbling too. I mean, I love, well, I mean, I love people, but 
I love teaching them. That's what my dad wanted me to do, was pass this, pass this passion about learning to do something the right way and then pass it along to other people. Do you, in your spirit, when you start thinking about what you've accomplished in the duck world, do you get the same feeling from other animals? When you see a bald eagle or a mule deer or a no. whitetail, do you ever go, oh, do you get all giddy at all? No, I'm, I'm a duck guy. I've never been anything else. Not even a goose guy. Not even, I, I mean, I'll go goose. I love to shoot geese. I love to try to call them. But I'm not a goose guy. I'm a duck guy. You know, and that's what I've done my whole life. You know, and I think, I don't think about me so much as I think about how fortunate I am. We've touched on a minute ago. Of all the people we've met and all the things we've gotten to do, I mean, I've hunted with everybody from presidents to senators to governors to sports personalities, you know, movie and TV people and all sorts of stuff. That If I didn't blow a duck call, they wouldn't know who I was. I mean, wouldn't have a clue. But, I mean, I've hunted with Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia, not once, but a couple, three times. I mean, how neat is that? That Inc- I mean, incredible. And I tell people, it's not that, that that I want to impress you with. What I want to impress upon you is the neatest people I've ever gotten to go with are the kids at St. Jude. Yeah. You know, Memphis. Memphis, Tennessee. But everything I've ever won, except for one time, I won two hundred dollars in cash. But all my big prizes and everything have gone to St. Jude. Good for you, bud. You know, and it's because I love St. Jude and what the, it, and I've, you know, this place is associated with the men in the Army and the Navy, the SEALs and the Rangers and stuff. And I've taken SEALs, no Rangers, but I've taken SEALs down to St. Jude, to the Royal McDonald House, and the toughest men in the world. I've never had one that didn't cry. You know? Amazing. That's what they're fighting for. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I always, and I want to tell the people that, you know, all the people in the armed forces how much, you know, I appreciate them for making it possible for me and you to do this. Because they're not doing this in China. <laughs> no. They're we're so to, we're so fortunate to you know, be able to hunt. And, and with, you know, and I want the people who don't want us to hunt to understand why we do want to hunt. Me too. You know, I, and generally, those people are hard to talk to. But what you, the way you win them over is by the way you behave. And that's why I've told guys like you and everybody else younger than me is always behave in a way that there's nothing, you know, like what I like today is, one of you guys had an alarm set for one minute before shooting time was over, and he called it, and everybody unloaded. Yeah. You know, because that's when all the ducks were really coming in. And we had to quit. And it was time to quit, and nobody said, man, let's just stay in two more minutes or five more minutes. Or, you know, we just said, okay. You know, it's perfect. And you don't shoot over the limit. And I used to tell people, still do, when you're out there, pick up your holes. If you see trash, pick it up. Leave the land better than what you found it, right? Leave it better than you found it, yep. you know. And make it hard 
for anybody to look at you and say, well, you're just like killing things. I agree so much with what you're saying. I mean, I waved up and saw the boat, wiped my face today and missed it and laughed about it, you know. And, you know, if I was 30 or 40 years younger, I might have gotten mad about it, you know. But now I understand, you know, I mean, this is, that's why I want us to be a good sportsman. And that's what I love about you. I've watched you grow up, watched you do all this stuff. You're a hustling man. You are always on the hustle. Your song ought to be that uh, every day I'm hustling, you know, because <laughs> you're out there working hard every day. I love it. Well, and thank well, you for saying that, Buck. That's, that's the truth. Buck, you mentioned St. Jude's, and I don't take that lightly, what you just said. It means oh, I the world to me. But um, I went and three years ago, and I uh, I get choked up when I talk about because walking down those hallways is not oh. right. It's not right. Oh, it's, and it's so thankful, you know, when you look at my daughter or your kids and you're just so thankful oh. that we didn't have to go through this. But we went to Ronald McDonald House in Memphis, and I worked with them, and I still do. I still stay in contact. Um, Danny Thomas and what he built at St. Jude and, and why he put it in Memphis and the Mississippi and the, the, the level of income in that area and how these people couldn't afford to take care of these kids. Right. So let's just make it to where they, they can get here and we can house them and Ronald McDonald gets involved because of a story up north in the NFL, the National yep. Football League. Um, a, a, a player's kid gets sick, and they're like, well, where's she going to stay? And that's how the Ronald McDonald organization and the charities was thought. is like, well, let's put all this money in there to where if she does have to stay, the mom and dad don't have to worry about nothing about except her or his health. Their lodging's free. Their food's free. That's right. Okay, so we go there. And we work with them, and we get to bring this family from Louisiana out. We take them to Oklahoma. This kid, Grant, yep. his sister's name's Alyssa, the same name as my daughter. His mom and dad, they come out. And it's unreal. Five years disease-free they have to be to be able to go on a trip like this. Yep. This kid had Frankenstein things in his head and his neck yep. for radiation. Yep. He was the starting center on his Pop Warner junior football team. He was a normal kid. Woke mm-hmm. up with a headache one day. Said, Mom, I got a headache. She calls a school nurse. Can't come to school. Next day, he wakes up with a headache again. Now his mom knows. Something's up. Something's wrong. We go to Oklahoma. Sunshine and Mallard Ducks doing what Mallard Ducks do in the sunshine. And dogs retrieving them. Singing in the blind. Carrying Oki. And me and his sister, Alyssa, his mom. And dad. I look at his dad. And he's bawling. Yep. His son has no motor skills, Buck. He lost the ability to talk, use his hands, his muscles, his arms. He's have to start over. So we're like standing him up, putting his gun on his shoulder for him, looking down the pipe with him. We're helping him. Yeah. He had the, the best. Thing. And this is what I want to say about duck hunting, because you also tied in St. Jude's by bringing the military down there. Right here where we sit, Mr. John Shaw, who we're going to end this podcast with tonight. Yep. Dedicated upon here. Yep. To Chief Jake Young. Yep, I Navy was SEAL. Here. You were here. I was here. It was wonderful. Jake took shrapnel to the left side of his brain. Yep. Has no short-term memory. Yep. Didn't know where he was when he got back. Uh-uh. Um, I looked at him. I said, hey, what does today mean to you? He said, this is my therapy. This is my therapy. This duck blind is my therapy. Yep. These ducks, the solace, the atmosphere, the smells, the wind, the chill, the sounds, the dog. I mean, and then St. Jude's, the dad, I looked at the dad, I said, why are you crying? 
he says, I've never, I haven't seen my son this happy forever. Yeah. Therapy. People want to say, don't hunt. Come in the duck blind with Buck Gardner and myself and a Navy SEAL that doesn't have any short-term memory and a kid that's five-year cancer-free from St. Jude's and tell me that hunting don't mean the world to people. Oh, man. You know what I'm saying, Buck? Hey, let me tell you something. I've got several kids. St. Jude's, they don't have like 20% survival. They've got 91% survival of stuff that all kids died from. I mean, what a wonderful place. And like you said, everything... It's free. Free. You can't pay for anything. Nothing. Man. It's all free. You need a blanket? They got you a blanket. Uh, uh, whatever you have anything. to have. It, but in Ronald McDonald's house, and there's several other places like them that, you know, and you want to see a miracle. When I could make them cry, I'd go down to Ronald McDonald's house. We'd take a bunch of old hats and CDs and pintail whistles and small duck calls and different things and pass them out to all the little kids. They'd come downstairs with pulling their, you know, with a uh, hooked up to IVs and everything, cords and all that stuff. And you very carefully hand them all the duck call and just back up. And within five minutes, the ones that could get loose from everything were loose from them. Jumping over the couches, blowing whistles at each other, blowing duck calls at each other, you know. And and they're they're excited and fun and having a good time, you know. And I always tell the parents, now the duck calls are free, you know. I'm not charging you nothing for them. But if you come back to me later and want me to take them back because they're driving you crazy, I charge $25 a piece to take them back, you know. And they would laugh like, you know what I mean? But the fun of that and see them and I've got several kids that I've taken from there Stephen Von Speckleson I met when he was like 14 years old and he was like a runt a little big guy you know skinny and he had brain cancer which you're never supposed to survive you know and I started hunting with him but he kept surviving his dad would bring him and we would have a good time and then they told him now you probably shouldn't get married because you're probably not going to live past 25 years old, even the best. No, well, he he's got like, married. Well, he's, yeah, he got married, and they and he told me they said, "Now don't, don't hope, don't tell your wife that you're going to have children." You know, you have what? Have children because you're not going to be able to father the children. He's got kids. He's got five. <laughs> you know. You know, and I told him, I said, see, what well, I told you the first time that you ever hunted with me, I invited you back for the next year. And you said, well, Mr. Buck, I'm not going to be here. And I said, who told you that? And you said the doctors did. I said, ain't nobody but God in charge of that. Yeah. You know? And that's what happened. I mean, he's proved them every step of the way wrong. I've got a picture on my phone. You know what I mean? Of his wife, Brittany, just sent to me with five screaming little rugrats. You know, and now he is six three, weighs about two hundred and forty five pounds, looks like Hercules. You know. Wow! And, how cool! And, you know, St. Jude's. St. Jude's is where it all happened. At. And you would not have had that opportunity. Well, you may have, but no, I would hunting, never. Hunting brought you to St. Jude's. Hunting brought me to. I mean, duck hunting, duck calling, hunting, and all that goes with it has brought me into places where, I mean, like tomorrow's Central Rich is from Idaho is going to be here, you know. He is 
the greatest dry sense of humor, you know. And Senator Reese. Yeah, yeah, Senator Reese. He is very dry sense of humor. But I could tell a story, but I mean, yeah, it's a simple, easy story to tell. It won't tell. But first time John ever introduced me to him was down at his house in a group of people. And he said, it's delicious. My friend Buck Gardner, he's a world champion, Buck calling champion champions. So he shook my hand and goes, what do you need a duck call out here for with these ducks? I said, we got to do something to entertain yourself, you know, and, and somebody has to scare them away or we'll kill them all. You know, <laughs> you know he goes, yes, yeah, sure. And so I didn't, I didn't say anything else. I said, let go, but we went duck hunting the next afternoon, and everybody was getting ready. Of course, he already had his gun, his shells, ready to go, and ducks were flying, lots of ducks flying around. He goes, hey. I said, what? He goes, call those ducks. You know, I said, <laughs> you don't mean what do you need a duck call for out here? I didn't bring mine. He goes <laughs> he, he said something to me. But uh we we had a good fun. He cussed at you. Yeah, um, talk to me though about you you go from Saint Jude's and Ron McDonald House. Yeah. But you mentioned the military in there and then yep. you mentioned Idaho and Center yep. But talk to me about all you got to do, if you if your head was on a swivel right now and you could look all the way around you. Yeah. We're in the old clubhouse. Yeah. We're not even going to talk about the new yeah, lodge. Nice. But, Mr. Buck, how amazing of a man is John Shaw, and what has his friendship meant to you over the last 20 years? Well, it's funny. His brother, Lee, is here right now. He's here right now with his son and his grandson. But Lee's the guy that told John he... We should know each other. They invited me out. Because let's make sure that the audience understands that John and his brother Lee are from the Memphis area. Yeah, they're both from Memphis. And Lee still lives around the area. Yeah, he's he in Nashville lives. now, but he was living yeah. in Memphis for he, a long time. He's just finishing up selling his house there in Memphis. But I came out here really because I was trying to be nice to Lee. I couldn't imagine there was this many ducks out here. <laughs> Never in my life. It was like a charity case. Yes, Lee, I'll go. You've yeah, been asking me I'll enough. go. I'll go. But... Lee started all this. I came out here and I met John, and he had such vision. If I had listened to John and had the money, first I didn't have the money, but and just bought anything out here, it would be worth 20 or 30 times what I paid for it in just 15 years. You know, there's no, I mean, that's like Amazon or something, you know? Yeah. And, but John has taken this place when he bought it was a little club, with 10 members, he bought eight of them out at one time. I don't know what he did about the other two. But there was nothing but a barn out here, and there wasn't this intricate system of corn and water and po different ponds and moving water around. I mean, he is one of those guys that he's not a, he doesn't talk. He does stuff. Have you ever, and, and, I don't, and I'm not trying to interrupt you, but i got to ask you this. What? Because you just brought up an unreal point. Have you ever met a man with this vision, or and more importantly, somebody that has never probably probably never cut a corner in his life? This John Shaw will not cut a corner. This no. place is legit. Oh yeah, let me tell you something. When we first came out here, it was he just 
had taken control of it. And within a year's time, or two years, he had turned it into the best hunting place in the whole area. And everybody wanted to hunt here. And he started making a club out of it. And now, I'm not sure how expensive it is. I'll let you discuss that with him. <laughs> but I know it's way above my pay scale, you know, if I was having to pay to be here. And I'm... I, I told him in my ass, I still can't believe that you let me come out here and hunt, you know, because I, I can't even really call for people anymore. But Yeah, but he's loyal to you because you're always loyal to him. I've been loyal to John. I love John, you know, and, and I've had fun. But John is a very giving person. I mean, he he, he he's working with the Navy and the Army and all the different special forces. And somebody said today, you know, I bet these guys, I said, I'll tell you what these guys will tell you. That the training they get at John's place has made life or death difference for them. Every one of them. Every one of them. Every one of them. And I just was in Vegas last week, yep. and I told John this last night. I showed him this man's name on my phone, <clears throat> SEAL Team 6. Yep. And I said, John, this is what he said about you. Of course, John and I started crying. Yeah, but this man told me, without he John. made this he made me the seal I am today. This man's been on countless missions. Yeah, watched his friends die in front of him. Oh yeah, and he said, <clears throat> John Shaw made me the Navy seal I am today. I mean, can you imagine the reputation of? What he's accomplished with these people, and he still lets you come duck hunt here and me. Yeah. We get to come here and duck hunt, and he's accomplished everything in the freaking world. This, it's it, it's mind boggling to me yeah. to see John Shaw and to look at all of these flags and all every. I mean, look at this. He's got a freaking bazooka right here. Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's no doubt in my mind that he is one of the most prevalent human beings in America today, and he's so underground and so nonchalant about it. But when you go into the the seals or the Rangers, or the Army, or the, whatever it is. And you yeah. mentioned the name John Shaw, especially, especially with the SEALs. Oh, yeah. He has had an impact on every Navy SEAL for the last 35 years. Yep. The most, these, these are the most important human beings walking the face of the earth. Right. They're the reason why you and I get to hunt ducks in Idaho. They are the tip of the spear. Everything. And John Shaw has affected their life in every freaking possible way. And John Shaw just looks at it like, ah, it's just teaching them how to shoot, bro. He's just teaching how to shoot. Are yeah. you kidding me? Like, he has made them the men they are today, and they go and fight for you and I. That's why. Right. That's crazy to me, Buck Gardner. Hey, but to me, John's just another redneck from Memphis. <laughs> he is, isn't he? he? he but he wants to be. He wants to be. That's who he is. He yeah. wants to be. How, yeah. how important is his friendship to you right now? Well, I mean, that's obviously very important. I'll tell you how important John, what a nice guy he is. When my wife died, John was one of the people that he came to our house to check on her over the years and everything. But he called me and said, will not you come on out and spend a week or so with me? You know, just get away. Just, get, just get away. So I came out in October and stayed out here for a week or so. You know, I told him, I said, I'll drive a tractor or take out the trash or do anything. You know, and just... Thank you for letting me be here. And, you know, I didn't really hunt that much. I sat around or went in, in a car or four wheels down by the river and other stuff. But that's what John is. He's a kind guy. He can't help himself. You know, he's, he, he's a giving soul. 
So, uh, and I, I take advantage of it. <laughs> do you do you think at seven? You're seventy two or seventy three years old now. Seventy two, man. Do you feel like in your heart right now, in your soul right now, that you have lived up to the expectations that the man upstairs had for you? Do you want? Your legacy to carry on is one of the greatest duck callers of all time. You're an unbelievable human being. You have unbelievable friendships. What happened with your wife, I'm so sorry about. But right now, at this point in your life, as you sit here in Idaho today, are you happy with what you've accomplished? And you look up at your wife in heaven and say, baby, I hope that you're proud of me. How proud of yourself are you? Because the, the, to me, I looked up to you for years, Buck. You're, you're very important to a lot of people. Yeah, but I'm not anybody special. I'm not proud of myself at all. Everything I have has come through Jesus, through God. But I, I'm happy that God has let me be in the right place at the right time, you know, to do some of these things. And it's given me, I mean, I showed you pictures of my wife. You, I mean, I always tell people, you want to know what kind of salesman I am, look at her and look at me, you know, <laughs> and it's the truth. Are you saying that you were out kicking your punk coverage in a little I, bit? I was out kicking, way out kicking. You were a good-looking guy, but You were oh, a good-looking yeah, guy. Yeah, well, yeah, you bet. But the big thing was, I mean, is I want no credit and don't take any credit for anything that I've ever had accomplished. What I want to do is give my praise to God for letting me be fortunate enough to find my wife, have the three kids I've got, you know, and and pass along things that I've learned to other people. But you've, you've passed along so much. Well, I have, but I haven't done enough yet. Obviously, God's got something else. I'm glad wants. you said that. I'm yeah. glad you said that because I know for a fact in the next five years we're going to be hunting a lot more together right well, here with John. I hope so. No, we are. I would love We to. sounded good together today. Well, yeah, but you said, hey, you're the lead dog, man. No, 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 are you crazy? I mean, can't kill before there. Because <laughs> seven here. Yeah. That's a good point right there. Yeah. If you go if you go to Memphis, Tennessee right now, and you have to order your last barbecue meal, is it burnt dids? Is it pulled pork? Is it brisket? What is your last barbecue meal in the world? It's, it's shot pork at, at Tops. Straight up at Tops. Oh, now, yeah. I asked you today, because Tops is my favorite barbecue in yep. Memphis. There's a lot of different barbecue regions. you got the Carolina and the Mustard. you got the Texas. you yep. got the Kansas City. you got the Memphis. Memphis is known for its dry rubs. It's known for the Rendezvous dry rub rib. Yep. I'm not a big fan. But I like the atmosphere. I like the culture, the aura of, of Rendezvous. Yeah. Tops, you mentioned. Yeah. How, much, how many times did you and your wife eat at Tops, you think, if you had to guess More the than I, I can't think of it. <laughs> I I, I've been through the drive through line at the one on Poplar so many times they all know me by name. <laughs> Last question. You have to pick one opponent that you faced your entire calling career, yep. and you faced them all. Yep. 
I'm talking from Trey Crawford yep. to Bobby Joe Willie to Jim Ronquist to yep. John Steve. I mean, I could go on and on. Oh, um, which one would you want to share a blind with tomorrow if you had your choice? Is oh, it Rick Dunn? Yeah, Rick Dunn Echo Calls. Rick, um, is he one of the best duck callers? Let me let me he's say one let of me, the best duck callers this ever lived. Okay, let me say this in a southern way. The is he the is he one of the finest duck callers? Because out west, when you say that girl is fine, that means she's good looking yeah. in the south when you say he is a fine duck caller that means he's got it going on That's is right. rick dunn the finest duck caller that you've met no he's not the finest duck caller he's yeah. one of the fe- he he's a duck hunter he he's a duck hunter duck hunter i mean the best caller i ever heard in my life was one of two people it was either mike mcclemore unbelievable or trey crawford trey crawford's feeding chatter was on a different level and mr mike his son hunter is a dear friend of mine yep. and he's a big fan of you he's friends with you but mike mclemore signed me a call and i have it in my hall of fame i'm going to ask you tomorrow and i mean this yep. we're going to hunt tomorrow yep i'm going to ask you to take the duck call off your lanyard and sign it for me when we're done will you do that for oh, me sure that's buck gardner the foul eye podcast thank you all so much for being here live from hagerman wings farm john shaw thank you you are the man i can't i can't explain to the world how special he is buck we could talk for another four hours. Oh, yeah. But we need to do that again. I'm coming to Nashville in two weeks. Maybe you'll meet me up there. I would. We'll have some hot chicken. We're going to listen to some John Party. John Party's going to be playing our Foul Life Party in Nashville in two weeks. John Party, I love you, brother. Well, I've got a friend there, a relative. <laughs> well, let's go. Let's hang out. All right, we will. Have but, a barbecue restaurant. But Gardner, thank you so much thank for being you. here. Foul Life, appreciate y'all. God bless Hit the you. button right now. This is Leith Lofton. It was written by Drake White and Leith Lofton. What you going to do when the money's all gone? Cause I'd rather be poor living off in a hole Than rich as hell without a soul Life on earth won't last too long so-